This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to the program. I'm Sterling Fox. In just a few moments, Fred Snyder, Senior Vice President and Investment Advisor with Mackey Research Capital Private Client Services, will join us to take your calls and offer more than a few words of advice. And in these turbulent financial times, most of us can use all the advice we can handle. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. Now, we've warned about this scam many times on this show, but it's tax time and here we go again. Last week it was North Vancouver, and this week it's Durham, just outside Toronto, where police are warning against the Canada Revenue phone scam. This one where fraudsters try to convince people they owe money to the Revenue Department, and unless they pay up immediately by Bitcoin, then there will be jail time involved. In North Van, a woman was bilked out of six grand, and this week near Toronto, a man paid over 19000 bucks to avoid jail time. The cops say in both cases the money is long gone. They ask if you receive such a call to do two things. One, hang up immediately. Don't get caught up in that phone speech. It can be pretty convincing and scary. And two, call the police or the Canadian Anti-Fraud Center right away. The more evidence you provide helps put some of these cons away. North Van Mounties, by the way, are holding a fraud awareness event this coming Thursday, April 19th, from 10 till 2 at the pipe shop at the shipyards. And police across Canada want you to know two very important details. Number one, Canada Revenue Agency never calls people to discuss their tax bills. They send letters. And two, Canada Revenue Agency does not accept Bitcoin as a payment method ever. Health Canada has issued another warning about a shortage of EpiPen auto-injectors right across Canada. We first told you about this in January, but the update this week isn't good news. The adult dosage EpiPens still in shortage, but as of this week, the half-dose or children's size will also be in shortage. Health Canada says they because they acknowledge a shortage doesn't mean there's no supply at pharmacies. Pfizer, the EpiPens maker, says there's a limited inventory of both products that being monitored nationally. And the shortage, by the way, is due to delays at their end at the manufacturing. EpiPens expire on the last day of the month indicated on the product packaging. If your EpiPen has expired and you are having an allergic reaction, Health Canada advises you use that expired product and then immediately call 911. DrugShortagesCanada.ca has more info on this as well. Say, if you kicked in a buck or two to support a dry grad during March at a B.C. liquor store, congratulations. You're part of an effort which raised over $275,000, which will go to 270 high schools across B.C., which have dry grad parties and plans for this year. Port Coquitlam, Pitt Meadows, and Langley were the top three fundraising, t- fundraising towns, rather, followed by Dawson Creek and Prince George. Over 50,000 B.C. students will participate this year, so thanks. Well done. And some of that large group of graduating students 
events will no doubt be here in Vancouver this coming Wednesday for the big one-day Vid Talks conference at the Convention Center, where you can learn about using video in your career. Some of the workshops will include video marketing strategies, YouTube, Instagram, and self-hosted options. Influencer marketing is another hot topic sure to draw big crowds, as will the list of speakers, which includes people from Microsoft, Hootsuite, and Best Buy Canada. VidTalk 2018 goes all day at Convention Center West on Wednesday, and yes, there are student discounts available. Tickets are available at Eventbrite. And new numbers from the Commission for Complaints for Television Telecom Services this week, indicating more of us are unhappy with our phone and Internet service providers than ever before. The Commission says complaints are up 73% year over year. A lot of that has to do with the fact that they just started including TV complaints last fall. The biggest beef remains terms of service and otherwise ambiguous contract problems. Next on the complaints list unacceptable landline internet service, followed by incorrect charges to TV service users. Bell topped the list of companies complained against at 33%. Next was Rogers with 10%. Those are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. We'll have a few more later in the show. And producer Ben has another duly noted feature today looking into tenant insurance. Up next, your calls about your money to financial advisor Fred Snyder from Mackey Research Capital. Stay with us. This is Vancouver Consumer on 980 CKNW. And welcome back to the program. Sterling Fox joined in studio by Fred Snyder, an old friend. He's a senior vice president and investment advisor with Mackey Research Capital Private Client Services these days. Good to see you, Fred. It's been a while. Well, I can't tell you how good it is to see you, too. Well, can I get you to move it a little closer to that mic so everyone can hear? There you go. Good stuff. Okay, much better. (laughs) So, uh, lots going on these days. My gosh, you can't can't turn on a television newscast, open a newspaper without money news being front and center. There's a trade war with China, maybe. NAFTA is on today, maybe. Uh, Interest rates going up, for sure. I mean, there's just nonstop, super abundance of money information, which I would suggest to you, sir, is more than a little confusing to the average person with a bank account. Let's just call it magnificent uncertainty. Okay. Tons of it. Mm-hmm. That's what's going on out there, and that's what the markets do not like. Markets hate uncertainty. Absolutely. They'd and, rather have yes or no, but not maybe. Right, and, and, and that's why we've seen some pretty significant kind of roller coaster moves on stock exchanges in both Toronto and New York and around the world, for that matter, in the past couple of weeks. It's called volatility. Right. And as an individual person with a few dollars invested here, there, and, and everywhere, uh, what are we to make of all of this? Because, you know, you could lose a lot of sleep if you paid too much attention and, and started getting paranoid about this news, Fred. The best, the best advice that, you, that, that I can give anybody in that particular regard is to take the advice of Warren Buffett. Do exactly what Warren Buffett does. Warren Buffett says, I never overpay for anything. I buy it cheap or I buy it for less than it's worth, and I'm patient, and eventually it will rise to what it's worth. And forget about looking at the markets every day. Look at the long term. And if you don't understand it, don't buy it. Ah, okay. The most successful investor that has ever lived, Warren Buffett. Right, right. Well, I note that now your, your company, Mackey Research Capital Corporation, has a terrific slogan. I like it a lot. They say, you say, we believe there's no such thing 
as an educated guess. This is, this is not the right mindset to bring into any investments you have or want to have. No guessing allowed, right? Sterling, every investor that's out there, I don't care whether you're rich or poor, somewhere in between, doesn't matter. You ought to be able to take your investment statement that you just got from your bank or your financial institution, put it on the table in front of you and put your finger on it and it will land on one of your investments, and then you ought to know exactly why you own that investment. And if you can't give a good answer as to why you own those investments, then you better get the answers. Okay. So in many cases, why do people own investments they shouldn't? Because somebody told them that this was a terrific buy, and you'd be just, you'd be just dumb if you don't sink a lot of dough into this one. Everybody's getting on board. You got it. You're, you're right on. Okay. It's, uh, let's, let's do it by gut. You know, I put you into that investment because I just kind of felt it was going to be good. It was mm. going to be great. Not true. That's, that's not how you do it. There is software out there that you – like there's something like 20,000 investment funds as an example in Canada. I'm talking about mutual funds now. 20, okay. 20,000. And there's about 11 of them that are really, really good. They're all managed by CFAs, generally speaking which are the, the best educated people in the business when it comes to stock selection. And yet, there's a lot of dogs that were selected by very intelligent people. Why? Why is this? Some, somehow there's a skill. Somehow you have to know when to buy and when to sell. Right. There's a company that advertises all the time that we, can, we have a patented system. We can, we can show you uh, what the markets are going to do if uh, if the markets are going up or if the markets are going down or if they're going sideways, you can always make money. Mm-hmm. That's not 100% true, not at all, because you can only make money in those kind of markets if you know what the markets are going to do, if you know that they're going to go up or down or sideways. You've got to be able to predict what the markets are going to do. And I've, I've often spoken to groups of actuaries. Actuaries are people that manage pension plans, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, big pools of money. Mm-hmm. And I always start out by saying, how many people in this room can tell me right now what the markets are going to do? Put your hand up if you know what the markets are going to do. Guess how many hands go up? None. I'm thinking probably none. Yeah. Zero. Okay. And I say, okay. Then how many and these pe- are the pros, too. Right? These, these are the best of the best. Right, right. How many people in this room know anybody anywhere that if we pick up the phone and phone them that can tell us what the markets are going to do? And no hands go up either. Right. And I say, well, this is kind of a bit of a dilemma then, because our clients all expect us, me, you, everybody, they all expect us to be able to predict what the markets are going to do. And it's impossible. It, it is absolutely impossible. So what's the answer? I'll keep you in suspense for a minute or two. Well, okay, <laughs> you, you got me. What, what's, the, called, what's the approach? It's called diversify, diversify, diversify. Okay. You right. don't bet the farm on any one thing. There's, a, there's other parts to it as well, like the Warren Buffett approach that I just talked about a minute ago. Well, can, let me just stop you on that one because it, it made a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. and, and back to the Buffett ethic yeah. in terms of his guidelines. Sure. How do you know, how do you find out about stocks? Because he says, I try to buy stock for lower than what it's worth, mm. sit on it long term, and make some money. How do you know or how do, where do you go to find out what these deals are, these, these stocks that are attractively priced versus many of which are overpriced? 
Well, what a stock is worth, the real value of a stock is called its intrinsic value. Okay, and, and, and what it's selling for may not be exactly its intrinsic value. It might be less than the intrinsic value, and it might be more. Mm-hmm. So Warren Buffett says that he won't buy it if, by his definition, that the stock, in his opinion, is, is undervalued. It's worth less than its intrinsic value. Securities will fluctuate in value as they, as they reach out to reach the intrinsic value. Okay. And it's your skill at picking whatever that intrinsic value is that's going to determine, in the end, how successful you are when it comes to buying and selling securities. There is software out there. Morningstar Advisor Workstation, as an example, I can use that software, and I can tell you what the top-performing stock was over the last five years. I can tell you what the top-performing mutual fund was over the last five years. The top-performing ETF over the last five years. Okay. The top-performing SEG fund, the top-performing F-class fund. Whatever it is, I, I, that software will help me select that particular investment. So I have a process or I have a procedure for the selection of securities where I can build and create an engineer portfolios on behalf of my clients. So my clients have a pretty darn good chance of achieving their financial objectives. And, well, we, and, and we don't reach out for rates of return like 10 or 12 or 13 or 14 percent. We say that a real rate of return on your money is what you're really looking for. So if you can get, say, 3 percent after taxes and inflation, that's considered to be a real rate of return on your money. Not looking for this great, big, huge rate. I, I've seen portfolios. People come to me with their portfolios, and they say, please analyze this portfolio for okay. me. I look at it. It's 100% stocks, 100% stocks. And I say, what's your tolerance for risk? And the client says to me, it's, it's, well, it's low. <laughs> it's not high. Well, then what are you doing 100% in stocks? Sure. This portfolio is unsuitable for you because it's 100% stocks. Okay? Now, tell me something. Who, who is trading? Who, who is determining what to buy, when to sell it, when to buy it, when to hold it? Who's figuring that out? Well, that's my advisor. Okay. So he came to you for a second opinion then. Yeah. Okay. Exactly right on. Okay. Okay. So r- really, you can, look at the, you can look at the book value of that stock. And let's say, I don't know, let's say the book value is $100,000. The book value is what you put in minus anything that you took out plus any reinvested dividends. Okay. That's your book value. And then there's a market value. And the market value includes unrealized capital gains on the account. So you can look at, as we'll say the book value is 100000 and the market value is 130000 so that client has an unrealized capital gain of $30,000. Now, is, is that a good rate of return? It depends. If, if, if it's $30,000 over one year, it's a pretty good rate no of kidding. return. Yeah. But if it's over 10 years, it's a lousy rate of return. Sure. Okay? So you have, to, you have to measure. Peter Drucker, the dean of modern business management, basically says, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And money management is what we're talking about. So you need to find a way to measure how well you're doing. And there's benchmarks and ways to do that that people don't know these answers. And, and, and they don't teach us that in school. Well, they certainly do not. We are, we are undereducated financially right across the country at all levels uh, exactly. of schooling. Uh, I wanted to ask you about, because financial management and money, professional money management is what you do. We've known each other for a long time. You've been at this for many, many years, decades. So there's a push now on TV. 
these ads targeting millennials, younger people in the workforce, just starting out as investors. And they're, they're, they, essentially, it's a do-it-yourself approach. You, you sign up with this platform, and some algorithm predicts that this would be a good buy this week, and it gets young people started. They don't have a lot of money to get into the game, Fred, but is this, uh, is this better than nothing? Uh, and, and or should they be taking a pass on trying to do it themselves, being essentially undereducated about this, uh, the topic, and go to a pro, sit down with a financial advisor? The latest gimmick or push or whatever you want to call it, the latest flavor of the day is a good choice of words. All right. The latest flavor of the day is managed discretionary accounts. Managed discretionary accounts. Now, what is a managed discretionary account? Do you know? I have no idea. A managed discretionary account means that you hire a financial advisor, you give them some money, you say, here's $100,000, I want you to pick for me 30 stocks, or thirty, rather 30 securities, not stocks. Okay. That, so it might be fixed income securities, it might be equities, like individual stocks and so on. I want you to pick a group of stocks for me, and I give you a full autonomy to pick whatever you think is the best. Right. And then you can buy and sell that as you see fit. If you decide to sell Apple and, and, and buy Ford Motor Company, that's okay. You don't even have to call me and tell me. Okay. Just do it. And I will pay you a fee of whatever you think is fair. So the advisor says, well, I don't know. Pay me 1.5%. So I'll manage your portfolio for 1.5%. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I, I, I see these portfolios. I, the, pe- people come to me every day with their investment statement, and I can punch their investment statement exactly what they have in the Morningstar Advisor Workstation, and I can analyze. I can do an X-ray, or uh, 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 an internal look at that particular fund, and I can see exactly on a graph how it's performed historically. Okay. So for the last five years, there's a nice looking graph. It really looks good. Okay, and I say, okay, but gee, it's 100% equities. In the last five years, we've had some volatility, but it's been a pretty good five years it overall, has. okay? Yeah. If you look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average right now and compare it to what it was when, Ob- when Obama first was elected, it was 7,000. It's now over 24,000. That's right, yeah. That's not a long period of time. No. Eight, nine, maybe nine years now? Last 10, maybe? Mm-hmm. Something like that? Uh so the Dow Jones Industrial Average, we know how well it's performed, and what do you do at this particular t- time? I say, okay, well, here's, here's one of my model portfolios. This is a portfolio of investment funds managed by experts, full-time experts, buying and selling the securities. Rather than doing it without your permission, they do it within the fund itself, and that's their full-time job. Right. And if I look at one of my model portfolios, there's $50 billion in that model portfolio. And I have 20 money managers that are all the, the, the top. Of their game. The very top, the pinnacle. Uh, rather than doing that on a part-time basis, they're full-time. And sure. they're doing nothing else but manage that particular fund. And if they do a lousy job, they'll get fired. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, and those numbers are published and they're available. And when you get right down to it, the number one reason why people fail financially is they do not shop. 
They don't shop for anything. They don't shop for groceries. They don't shop for mutual funds. They don't shop for GICs. They don't shop for insurance. They don't shop for anything. And you need a financial advisor like me to help you do that. All right. Our guest in studio is Fred Snyder, Senior Vice President Mm -hmm. and Investment Advisor with Mackey Research Capital Corporation. Let's open the phone line, 604-280-9898. We'll take calls to Fred Snyder after the news. And welcome back to the program, Vancouver Consumer, for a cloudy Saturday afternoon. The big picnic underway in Queen's Park. We'll tell you more about that later. I'm Sterling Fox. In studio with me is Fred Snyder, Senior Vice President and Investment Advisor with Mackey Research Capital Corporation. You can find them online at MackeyResearch.com. On my telephone line, ever so patiently waiting, is Connor. Thanks for waiting, Connor. Good afternoon. Hi there. Hi, Hi Connor. Hey, uh... Yeah, I'm, I guess, one of those millennials who's been undereducated about uh, investing and, and money and all that. Um, I just graduated school last year, and now I'm kind of making more money and kind of thinking about investing, and I just don't really know where to start. I went and sat down with one of my friends from high school who works at Investors Group, which is, I guess, one of those portfolios you were talking about, but I don't know. It just feels like they're trying to sell something to me, and I don't know if it's the best. Uh, route to go and what like what do you think just starting out where should I start well I think first of all before Fred has a chance to jump in with some smart things to say congratulations for being at least aware of the need to organize yourself as a as a would-be investor and, and looking for the right move to make Connor that's your way ahead of a lot of uh, of the crowd and by the way the undereducated thing wasn't a knock against millennials no, of course we, not. we, yeah. we share that <laughs> undereducation across all generations in Canada Connor it, it's it's just the way we turned out. Uh, now, Fred, about getting Mr. Connor started. I, I just I, that that question I just love because I'll tell you right now, it's not it's, it's not what you think. The answer I'm going to give you won't be it'll it'll be a surprise. You won't expect it. You need a financial plan, okay? And you need to get if if you come and see me, I will give you a financial plan at absolutely no cost or no obligation whatsoever. We haven't even bought a financial product. Buying a financial product is not a financial plan. Buying a life insurance policy is not a financial plan. Uh, buying a portfolio of stocks is not a financial plan, but a lot of people think it is. Mm-hmm. It's not. Uh, you need a document that says, this is my assets. This is my liabilities. This is what I own. This is what I owe. This is my income, and this is my expenses, and these are my financial goals. And this is what, what I what I need to protect myself if things go wrong. That's a document. It's a blueprint. The blueprint says, "This is where I'm at today. Here's where I want to go, and this is how I'm going to make that work." And this is my coach who's going to help me make it work. And that's a financial advisor who has the qualifications to do so. So when you choose a financial advisor to talk to, make sure that that particular financial advisor has the required qualification and experience and integrity to get you to where you want to go. I say always that there's three C's. The first C stands for the advisor has to care. They have to be competent. That's the second C. And the third C is they have to have character, which means they're honest. Uh The three C's. And you know something? You can apply that to almost anything. Like right now, apply them to Donald Trump as an example. Does he, does he care? Uh, of course not. I, I'm not so sure. Okay. Well, he cares about some stuff, I guess. Yeah. Is, it, is he competent? 
<laughs> I don't think so. Does he have character? Uh, I definitely don't think so. Then why the hell is he president of the United States? <laughs> well, uh, obviously a lot of people I guess disagree some with you. Americans like him. That's right. <laughs> but uh, but Connor, you said when you sat down with this fellow who was in the money biz that you said the first feeling you got was the guy was trying to sell you something, and that's not that's I mean that's where you go with your gut, Fred. You that's, You're right on. Because if that's the hit you get, that it, the first C was care. The person has to express some real interest in you as a human being with a game plan that needs to be identified. There has to be empathy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and, 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 and you can sense that, Connor. When, when it's not there, you can sense it. Yeah. Well, I, I've talked to a lot of friends, and we're all kind of in the same boat. Yeah, we just, like, I have a couple of friends who bought random stocks, like risky ones. Mm-hmm. Some did well, some didn't, and... Yeah, so I just yeah, I guess finding a financial advisor would be the best way to go. Then you, you, you uh, let's say you need a financial coach. You need somebody yeah. that you can bounce things off. You pick up the phone and say, "Look, I'm thinking about buying a car. Should I pay cash for it or finance it or, or lease it or, it or whatever?" whatever. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah. Okay, it's about financial decisions, and we make financial decisions all the time in our lives, uh, and really we're not educated well enough to properly and effectively make those decisions and that's 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 how people screw up and is it okay. the other one the other part of connor's question because connor's a young man who yeah. is making some money he's got enough money floating around that he recognizes he's better start nailing some of it down here because it's going to drift away otherwise yeah, right but he doesn't have a lot of money is there a kind of a minimum amount you need to have before you get to the point where you put your plan together fred or well, is that I, the cart ahead of the horse i worked for a number of years for a large financial institution and the reason i left the number one reason why I left is they made the minimum account size $250,000. Ouch. Okay. They said, unless you have $250,000, we don't want your business. Okay? Yeah, that would take me a while. Yeah, yeah, me too, Connor. <laughs> you, you and I are both out of that racket. But, you know, can I put you on hold, Connor? And uh, we'll get your phone number, and uh, we'll, we'll get a chance uh, for Fred to get in touch with you after the show, if you'd like that. Sure. Yeah, I, I'd love that. All right, so stand by, and uh, Ben, our producer, will, will jump in with you, and he'll get your particulars, and then uh, you can expect to hear from Fred in the days ahead. Uh, moving right along to Brad next. Hi, Brad. Oh, hi. Hi, Brad. Um. How would you explain how tax brackets work in the market? You know, when you're paying your taxes and all that stuff. And let's say you never had any money in your life lifetime, and all of a sudden you inherited some money. Ah, and well, you're playing the stock market. You made some money on the market and all that stuff. If if you inherited some money recently, you don't have to worry about taxes because the money you inherited is tax free. Oh, the yeah. only thing that's taxable is the money you make with the money you inherited. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, that's what I was doing. I was making nothing but money on the U.S. market. and But now I haven't made any money for the last um, couple of months since well, Trump's been uh, messing around. Well, you, you sound to me, once again, it's the same advice. You sound to me like one who needs a financial plan and a financial coach, yeah, a financial I, advisor. I I, I've been doing it myself since I, I've been 18 years old. I've been playing the market. Yeah, okay. And the only time I really made any money is the last couple of years. When I was 18 on and up, mm-hmm. I lost all most of my money. Okay. But I sort of, maybe I just got lucky because of the market recently, you know. 
because of the what was this the Trump effect or something like this they were talking about? There, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world right now, and that's why the markets are volatile. And volatility. I, yeah. There, there's a way to measure volatility, and it's called standard deviation. The higher the number, the, the greater the volatility. Okay, so. So you have the average, we'll say the average rate of return over the last five years. That's called the mean. So let's say the average rate of return over the last five years is 10%. Okay. And let's say data points above or below that 10% deviate from that 10% quite a bit, then that's a high number. If it doesn't deviate from the line very much, that's a lower number. Volatility is where the risk is in markets, and it's called standard deviation, and it's a measurement. It's, it's, it's a published number. You can take any one of Canada's uh, 20,000 or so mutual funds that are out there, and they all have a standard deviation number attached to them. And you can compare the standard deviation to the rate of return. If the rate of return is 10% and the standard deviation is low, that's pretty good fun. That means the risk-reward ratio is in your favor. If the standard deviation is high and the rate of return is low, then that's a very ineffective fund. That's, that's, That's one you don't want. Okay. So the bottom line is, when I, when I said earlier today, the reason people fail, one of the fundamental reasons why people fail is they fail to shop. They don't shop. So when you're, when you're putting together an investment portfolio, you want, to select, uh, you want a selection of investments that are going to do the job. And, and, and you need to shop for the best investments. And if you don't know how to shop, yeah. uh, or you don't even know that you should shop in the first place, yeah. you're just really behind the eight ball all the way through the game, aren't you? Yeah. Why would anybody, for example, Sterling, why would anybody invest in Canada right now? And I'm not being unpatriotic when I say what I'm about to say. 30% of the Canadian economy is energy. Mm-hmm. What's happening to the energy sector. Difficult to tell this weekend, yeah, isn't it? It sure is, okay? 30% of the Canadian economy is energy. No yeah. wonder the Canadian dollar is weak, okay? But remember this, 30% of the Canadian economy is also financial institutions. Well, guess what? Even though financial institutions right now are fairly profitable, sure, uh, they aren't profitable if interest rates uh, start to go up. Because the cost of their inventory, their inventory is other people's money. Mm -hmm. And when interest rates are higher, they pay more for other people's money and their profits are squeezed. And consequently, when in a period of rising interest rates, and I mean, we're getting there right now. When that starts to happen, financial institutions don't do so well. So that's 60% of the Canadian economy which is in trouble. Right. So if you're, if you're, if you're uh, again, like, perhaps like Connor, and just looking around at, the, at what's on the radar screen and what you might be interested in, uh, the Canadian marketplace, perhaps not the best uh, buy uh, on the stock radar these days. So where would you go? Emerging markets, United States, you gotta, Europe? You've got to start looking at the United States. In spite of Donald Trump, the United States economy is solid. It's really quite solid, sure. actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's, it's the largest in the world. And I know, I know there's issues and, and, and there's uncertainty whether that's going to be sustainable or not going forward. But that's, that's the most solid economy in the world. And Europe has made a big comeback as well. Mm-hmm. So the question is always asset allocation. How much of your money should you have in Canada? I didn't say kick Canada under the bus. Right. I didn't say that. Spread it around a bit, but though, is what you are saying. Maybe don't tilt your portfolio too much in favor of Canada. Okay. Okay. Uh, so you have some of your money in Canada. You have some of your money in the United States. You have some of your money in Europe and some of your money in Asia and some of your money in fixed income. So what does that pie look like at the end of the day? 
A lot of your money should be fixed income or something that's very defensive. It's like it's like the Vancouver uh, Canucks. You want to have a defense as well as an offense. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be too heavy on the offensive side or too heavy on the defensive side. A good team, a basketball team, a baseball team, a hockey team, a football team, they all have an offense and a defense. Your investment portfolio should look like that. So your your defense would be the fixed income items. Those would be bonds you know, and other... Uh... That's exactly right. Okay. Companies like PIMCO, as an example, very, very good on the bond side or the fixed income side. Okay. Okay. And that balances off. And, yeah. and it, the other word, we don't have a lot of time left here, unfortunately, because okay. this has gone by really fast. We'll have to come, we have to come back and do this we again soon. We've got to do it again. So. Okay. Risk. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's end the conversation yeah. with the notion of risk mm-hmm. because yeah. um, uh, Brad, for example, was saying he's done it all by himself all his life and hasn't done very well, yeah. perhaps because mm-hmm. of the items he chose were pretty risky. Well, they were. Let's change the word to aggressive. Too aggressive, maybe. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> if you have a well-balanced portfolio, your portfolio uh, can be measured against standard deviation, the number that I used earlier. Sure, yeah. What is the standard deviation? If the standard deviation is less than 10, it's probably moderate risk. If it's getting up to 12, 13, 14, 15, and even 30%, it's high. You don't want that. Okay. Now, of the people I talk to, when I ask them what their tolerance for risk is, they say it's low. Sure. And I say, okay, what what kind of financial education do you have? They said, not much. Mm -hmm. They didn't teach me any of this stuff in school, but my tolerance for risk is low. And I said, well, I just looked at your portfolio. Why are you doing all these high-risk investments? (laughs) (laughs) I am, is the the answer, I'm afraid, all, all too frequently. The regulators looking at that investment would say it's unsuitable. Mm-hmm. Because if a person's tolerance for risk is low, the investments the advisor suggests, the risk there should also be low. Sure. All part of be suitable. All part of making the right decisions and putting together mm-hmm. a plan and a coach, yeah. a, a financial mm-hmm. advisor yeah. who's going to be in your corner yeah. mm-hmm. all the way through the journey. And I have I have clients, a lot of my clients are at or near retirement. And those people should be in low risk portfolio. Sure, not 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 completely low, because absolutely no risk is GICs. Mm-hmm. You can't get a real rate of return there at all. Right, you're guaranteed to go broke safely. <laughs> Fred Snyder is a senior vice president and investment advisor with Mackey Research Capital Corporation. Online at MackeyResearch.com, and of course, Fred's particulars are on the website. Just look under, look under private client services. His picture will pop up. You can send him an email, uh, make a phone call, arrange an appointment, get the plan started. Fred will have to do this again. That, that that was just one of the fastest half hours I've been through in a very long time. Sure, I can't tell you how happy I'm to be here. Thanks, thanks for having me. Pleasure, and thanks for the calls as well. We'll yeah. take a break and come right back with more on Vancouver Consumer. And once again, our thanks to Fred Snyder, Senior VP and Investment Advisor over at Mackey Research Capital for a very informative visit. Fred will be back. Thanks for your calls, too. Fred's coming back in a month, and who knows what the financial news will be by then. Next week, we'll hear from John Carlson at 1% Realty. Time now for Duly Noted, in which our producer, Ben Dooley, takes a good look at an important consumer item. Today, Ben talks about tenants' insurance. I'm Ben Dooley, and this is Dooley Noted. Numbers from Statistics Canada reveal a surprising number of Canadians, especially British Columbians, are taking a big risk. 
2016, almost 50% of Canada's rental households purchased tenants insurance. While in BC, that number is only about 30%, with each paying around $400 in premiums. Here's Aaron Sutherland, the Vice President of the Insurance Bureau of Canada. I think it comes down to a misconception, not understanding the risk they face, how insurance works. It, it can be confusing. Experts urge renters to add up the value of their belongings and think about whether you could afford to replace everything or cover the cost of living elsewhere if disaster strikes. Insurance can also protect you if you cause damage to a neighbor's property or worse, if you get sued. Whether it's a kitchen fire, you know, an apartment flood, what have you, those events are unforeseen. That's what insurance is there for. Uh, and really, we encourage individuals not to be that cautionary tale. Uh, there's nothing more gut-wrenching than people coming forward who unfortunately don't have insurance. Um, and it really speaks to the need for everyone to have this kind of protection uh, in their lives to ensure they're able to recover financially uh, after an unexpected event. Now, owners and landlords should have protection for the unit itself, but aren't required to protect the belongings of their tenants. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Well, thank you, Ben. Time now for a couple more consumer quickies before we have to go. A new study by the Pew Research Center in the state shows that the share of young adults living with their parents is the highest in 75 years. The new numbers suggest 33% of young Americans aged 28, 25 rather, to 29, nearly three times the number in 1970, were living with their parents or grandparents. The share of young adults who don't leave the nest has steadily increased in recent decades and accelerated after the 2008 financial crisis. Across education levels, race, gender, and region, no group has been immune to the trend. So why already? Well, the researchers simply say late 20-somethings are boomeranging back home because, in contrast to previous generations at this stage in their lives, they are less likely to have a well paying job and also less likely to be married. It turns out that no job and no partner makes living with your parents a little more appealing. If you're looking for a summer job, consider becoming a BC Parks student ranger. I'm assuming, of course, you had to be in that age group. This is a new program hiring right now for a few dozen positions, which will become eight teams situated around the province, whose members will spend their summer working on ecosystem restoration, trail building and maintenance, conservation monitoring, and a little public outreach as well. The program is open to students 18 to 30, and successful applicants can expect to work weekends and spend a lot of time camping out in the backcountry from mid-May to August. Funding will come from both federal and provincial programs. All the info is on the BC Parks website. That's at gov.bc.ca slash parks. Well, we mentioned this earlier, the big picnic is wrapping up right now at Queen Elizabeth Park as part of the Cherry Blossom Festival rolling along. And down at QE Park, the best is yet to come as far as today goes. Now, we're hoping the weather holds out for this. There are showers in the forecast for this evening. Tonight at Queen Elizabeth Park is the big spring lights show with blooming cherry trees lit up after dark with spectacular displays. This is the fifth annual spring lights and it features a music soundtrack. There'll be dance displays. And five different designers will provide the light show, which on the trees is 
pretty remarkable. So bring the camera along and be ready to be dazzled. And it's free. More info on tonight and all the Cherry Blossom Festival activities. And we're about halfway through the festival at vcbf.ca. And speaking of free and fabulous light shows, we learned this week who the players will be for the Honda Celebration of Light this summer. Saturday, July 28th, South Africa kicks off the event. Up next on Wednesday, August 1st is Sweden. And South Korea wraps up the big show on Saturday, August 4th. And this theme this year will be love. If you want to pay for and reserve a really good seat, those tickets went on sale yesterday. Otherwise, as always, it's free for you and 250,000 of your closest personal friends. That is our show for today, produced by Ben Dooley with Andrew Ferreira at the controls. We value your feedback, and if you have any thoughts or suggestions for the show, please send them along to sterling at cknw.com. I'm Sterling Fox. Join us again next Saturday at 2 for another edition of Vancouver Consumer on 980 CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.